The rumors are terrible and cruel, but they're true. that intro in a minute hello everyone i am half of your co-host madison and welcome to the archers hello i am the other half of your co-host my name is katie and welcome to the archers madison how are you doing you know what thank you so much for asking katie i am doing so good um mental health wise i haven't been doing great but this podcast is something very positive in my life so i'm very happy to be here today and i'm very excited for our topic today so how are you katie oh thank you so much for asking i funnily enough also haven't been doing great mental health wise but you know what I love being an archer, and I love recording this silly little podcast with you. I'm also very excited to be recording today, and, you know, we're in good company because, as we know, we literally have a podcast about someone who doesn't have great mental health, so it's all good. Another archer without great mental health. So It's almost as if that's part of the requirement for being an archer. They do see right through me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm really excited for the topic of today's episode too, which people do know because they're reading the description of the episode. And what is that for people that went in blind and have no idea what it is? A blind? It's like a blind item. <gasps> Ooh! Uh, you know, I always have blind items on the mind. Which, yeah, good good little Twitter plug too. If you don't follow our Twitter, there's always a link in the description. Um, we've been tweeting blind items and... Just for, like, silly things. And it's very fun. Katie is literally the best at writing blind items. It's something that we've discovered. And I joked about it, I think, on the Patreon. I was like, I think NT needs to hire Katie to write blind items. But I would love that. That's my ticket out of here. (laughs) Your next big project. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So for today's episode, we are going to do a little queer analysis and explore some of Taylor's first big hits from debut. We're going to be doing five songs from debut that we found significant uh, to her career, to her future music, and just that were really gay in general. So we'll go over those songs. But first, I wanted to take a look at our replies from our last episode, which we asked, what do you think Taylor's most cryptic lyric is? And which Taylor lyric have you never been able to understand? I'm really excited to find out what these said too. I think it's such an interesting question and the possibilities almost feel endless, but it'll be great to just um, really get a sense of of these people in general. Definitely, because for Gaylers, I feel like it's not often that we're left like puzzled. I think that that happens a lot more for like general Taylor Swift fans and Hetlers than kind of being like, well, what does that mean? 23 inside a fantasy, like which boyfriend is that about? Like, I feel like it's very easy to get puzzled as a general Taylor Swift fan by lyrics. 
lyrics. Agree. Agree. When I wasn't a gayler, these lyrics didn't add up as much as they do now. I mean, absolutely. Like, as we know, I did, literally didn't like her music. So I was like, what is she talking about? <laughs> exactly. So uh, that's also why it's interesting to see what puzzles gaylers. You know, they have to be like. And also something that we ne- we haven't talked about, uh, or we probably have. I don't. I, I should just stop saying that at this point because I feel like we probably have talked about everything. But like, there are a lot of straight artists who I enjoy. And when I listen to their music, I'm like, this is normal. I know what they're talking about. With Taylor, her little music, I was always like, this is so, what is she saying? Like, what is she talking about? It's always cryptic unless you're like, oh, she's gay. That's why she's saying these things. Right. And that's why even then, there's still things that are like, with the context of knowing she's queer, like, that still just don't make sense. And I think a good one that someone brought up the tennis court was covered up with some tent-like thing. I think what a lot of people assume as gaylers is that it, or at least what I've seen before, is that it has to do with the Met Gala. How, because the Met Gala is hailed, like, kind of under a tent-like situation. It is? It it looks like it's in a big tent, yeah, the Met Gala. Oh, really? Like, the outside part. I thought it takes place part. at the Met. It does, but, like, the outside part, the carpet and everything, is held under, like, a makeshift kind of thing. So that's what I've seen people describe. But also, I was listening to The Man the other day, which is a rare occurrence for me. I don't listen to that song super often. But I was listening to it, and the Spotify video for The Man is a little clip from The Man music video of Taylor throwing a tennis ball at her dad when she's like on the tennis court in that one scene where she's like playing someone in tennis it's her dad the dad is the um scorekeeper he's sitting on like a high like chair thing like at a tennis match and he's sitting up there and he's the scorekeeper in the video and the clip on the man spotify like if you go listen to the man the video is of her throwing a tennis ball at her dad like from the video Okay, so Scott Swift plays the scorekeeper in the tennis match in the man video. Yes. Oh my god. Okay, wait, because that immediately brings up, like, so it goes with, like, who's keeping score. Like, that idea of keeping score. She also talks about that in Miss Americana and the Heartbreak Prince. Yeah. Like, keeping score is, like, a negative thing that you don't want to be doing. And long story short, no more keeping score. Oh my god, yes! Ah! Oh my god, and her dad plays the scorekeeper, and she literally hits a tennis ball at him? She throws it aggressively at him. Oh, aggressively. Aiming at him. Yeah, she gets mad at, like, one of his calls or something in the tennis game. Oh, right, right. In the video. And she she starts throwing a fit because she's a man. So she's like, starts throwing a fit because she's like, you called that wrong. And then, like, throws the tennis ball at him. And literally the video on Spotify is him, like, covering his face and the tennis ball hitting him in the head. Oh, my God. That is very on the nose for Taylor. Isn't that so funny? Yeah, it is. So, of course, your mind went there because you were just watching it or just listening to it and then saw that clip. So your mind went there when you got when you read 
the tennis courts are covered up with some tent like things. For me, and I do think we brought this up in the Evermore episode, for me, that line clicked into place when I started listening to the album on the CD in our car because it directly follows Ivy. It, the last line of Ivy is, now I'm covered in you. And then it goes into cowboy like me and it seems like a direct continuation because it starts with and so it's and now i'm covered in you and the tennis courts were covered up with some tent like things you know it's so interesting like if you really think of them as a continuation because the generally accepted explanation by swifties these days is that ivy is a lesbian love song it just happens to not be from taylor's perspective so is cowboy like so for cowboy like me to be a continuation of that story pokes a lot of holes in non-gayler theory of her music which i'm happy about because if the swifties do accept it as a lesbian anthem of a song then cowboy like be being a continuation automatically makes that also we have all known that cowboy like me is also a gay song one of her gayest but i just don't i really want to know like what people are thinking when they hear that song like what it could possibly mean if not about being closeted and like having to have it be a performance especially just with takes one to no one like what what else would that mean a cowboy takes one cowboy to know another cowboy like is she just talking about being a, a southern a southern person so anyways that's my explanation this is definitely a cryptic one though yeah for sure it is i guess i've always pictured it as a country at a country club if an event is happening at a country club where like you know con artists which the song is about like are there it's like she's setting the scene for the country club having an event where many rich people to swindle are attending the connection to the tennis court in the man is i don't know if that was intentional or not but it's definitely interesting because it did bring me back to that video which highly recommend watching if you want to see scott swift get hit in the head with a tennis ball i am thrilled that you brought that up like i cannot believe and also just the scorekeeping aspect that she would have him be the scorekeeper when scorekeeping is something consistently for the last three albums she has been talking about being bad i saw the scoreboards and ran for my life in miss exactly. and the heartbreak friends that's oh. what i'm saying another cryptic lyric which this one's really interesting to me because this is something i've thought about before someone said look at how my tears ricochet and they said it sounds like it means her tears caused someone else even greater pain but doesn't that mean that the words of her pain bounced off of someone else and eventually bounced back to her and to that i would say yes and i think that's the idea is like my tears are ricocheting and this other person now also has tears my tears turn into their tears but now we're just both crying so I think that's the idea. Yeah, that they cause like a domino effect. Yeah, because the thing about ricocheting is like, I think of it much more as just bouncing around chaotically, like not not going to where they are aiming. It's not really about going back onto her, but it's like if someone hurt her with the intention of having her cry with the intention of having her be miserable and the tears are the results having her tears ricochet instead of just affecting taylor they're bouncing over everywhere and they're fucking everything up for everyone so it's not it's like someone hurt me and now they're being hurt and everyone's being hurt and no one's happy exactly everyone's hurt i don't think it means she's not hurt anymore no it's just that like you 
thought that I would be the only one that's wounded. Well, guess what? My re-records are uh, fucking things up for everyone. No, yeah. They're ricocheting all over the place. I think of like an echo chamber of just tears for everyone. Yes. Like, yes. It took like a lot of listens of my tears ricochet. Like at first it was for me just like, oh, her tears ricochet. She's not crying anymore. The other person is crying because they ricocheted. She's still crying, but now everyone's crying and it's all chaotic. They can't ricochet if she's not providing the tears. Exactly. Exactly. And also just like I love the word ricochet being used this because it is obviously bullet imagery and the idea that her tears could be so powerful that like her sadness could be weaponized and to cause other people's lives to be over like when I say that I hate her white woman victimization it's really two sides of a coin because on one level, I also fucking love femme devastation being the cause for, like, actual change in this world. And, like, the real pain that, like, we as humans can feel after going through, like, traumatic events. Like, those tears can literally transform into weapons and building blocks of things being dismantled and changed. So thinking about her tears ricocheting in that way is so powerful because she's turning something so emotional and femme and considered weak crying into a weapon. But it's like really two sides of the same coin. It's like tears can be used for good in this world and also for deflecting and taking attention away from people that are at a higher risk than you. You know what I mean? But it's just so, it's so interesting. In this case, with Taylor and her master's heist and, like, the kind of hell she's had to go through, like, in this case, I'm like, good for you, sweetie. Your tears should ricochet. Yeah, like, cause hell to everyone in your team. Yeah, she's causing hell in the industry by re-recording, too, Mm -hmm. and bringing attention to the fact that artists don't own their work. And that's something that I can appreciate about her tears about the situation. Totally. And something I wanted to add to, because people have kind of been reaching out on, like, my TikTok comments and stuff about her white womanhood and, like, victimizing that and everything. And I think some people misunderstand it sometimes because Taylor herself can, can embody, like, the white woman victimhood. But also, when we talk about her white woman victimhood, a lot of it is more perpetuated by the media. Media's interpretation yes, projected upon of her, her tears. Yes, it's it's not always a fault of just Taylor herself that we're talking about when we bring that up. It's very much the way that the media portrays that and the way that that affects larger groups of marginalized people. Not just that Taylor herself, her intention in making her her sadness so public and whatever. Like I'm sure her intention is not to marginalize other people, but as a result of the media taking that and running with it it does so just something to keep in mind i just thought i i wanted to mention that anyways and that felt like a good in to throw that in there because it's very much not the responsibility of just taylor swift herself it's it's a bigger issue that we're trying to bring attention to you know i mean that's the thing her uh, her actions have consequences but that also doesn't mean that she shouldn't be like making sad girl music and like actively talking about being sad 
all these things can coexist. Living in your emotions and like visibly expressing your emotions is a very good, powerful, necessary thing that like almost like is universally considered to be like a, f- a source of change. It's also, oh, it's also very sad cancer to like the word ricochet and the idea of tears becoming weapons. I just feel like if there is an expression, a direct expression of like Sagittarius and Cancer in the big three, that would be it. Oh my God, that's ex- that's very exciting for us because we, of course, share Sag and Cancer with her. You especially, but me a little bit. But that's why, like, I feel like that sometimes where I'm like, my emotions, when I do let myself feel them, will destroy everyone. <laughs> you know, like, yes. Yeah. And a part of being a Sagittarius is not not feeling and being very like tough about it, but when you have cancer also in your chart, it's like you really need to feel. So channeling feeling into when it's useful for you, not useful in a manipulative way, but useful in a way of like processing through your emotions in a healthy way you know like it feels very i love that you pointed out ricochet because that's so like sad like with a with our archer like i really want to live in a world where all marginalized people like women of color who are not taken seriously like who are always projected anger on like are always seen as being angry like i want a world where like black women can cry 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 and their tears will have the same effect as taylor swift like that their tears can ricochet and real change can occur from them and everyone will pay attention to them and love them like i just really want that like i think that's a good powerful thing that we need to be encouraging for all people to have access to like that's what my femme dreams look like is that crying is something that everyone has equal access to no, yeah, I think that is kind of the purpose of cancer placements on this planet is to I hold space for, for people to cry and have emotions. And well, God that bless. certainly makes sense why my cancer rising because I've made it my goal to have everyone cry around me all the time. Yeah, exactly. Because you're like, yeah. you need to. I know you need to. You need to. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. God, if honestly, like I've daydreamed about people just coming to me for when they need to cry because like there's literally no better support I can give to people than listening to them cry yeah and people take me up on it which is good (laughs) your cancer rising that's why you invited exactly you really nailed it when you said that another one that someone said is confusing also their username is peppa pig which I love (laughs) it's the peppa pig the peppa submitted cryptic lyrics Peppa the pig. The pig named Peppa. (laughs) They said the lyric, I'm begging for you to take my hand, wreck my plans. That's my man. They said that's one that is cryptic and confusing to them. (laughs) Peppa, what are you talking about? Sweetie, that's not cryptic. What a silly little pig. I think where they're getting confused is the mention of man. And to that I say, it's very gay. I think you're number one Willow stan. And because you like the line that's my man i think that's exactly right i love that line and as we know i love that line because it reminds me of mariner's apartment complex by lana del rey where she says over and over again i'm your man when i hear taylor swift saying i want someone 
to grab my hand, wreck my plans. Okay, first of all, what's gayer than hand-holding and wrecking plans? Truly. Nothing. Nothing. Holding hands, wrecking plans, the gay agenda, number one with the bullet. Oh my god, literally. That was so true. (laughs) Like, literally, you're projecting onto the person. I want you to take my hand wreck my plans and say that's my man it's about taylor taylor is the man and like that is she's been giving us all the clues that taylor is the man because she a wrote a song called the man where she's like i'm the man b literally has asked her friends to exclusively refer to her as the man or king for years now is like drinking an old fashioned and is like this is a man's drink it's a my drink this is the and man's like smoking drink. cigars smoking cigars a macho man same pool do you remember finding yeah. out that the cigars she smokes and has a box of are macho yeah. man and that she like blurted out for her photos she like blacked it out as if we wouldn't as if we wouldn't it. figure it out oh taylor we're on to you that just made us want it more she knows that. Th- I think that's why she did it. Yeah. yeah. I think that's, she was like, my gaylers will f- try to figure out what this Oh, is. she yeah. loves us so much. I love the kind of Twitter trend that has come upon that by changing it to that's my ma'am. M-A apostrophe A-M. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of cute. That's my ma'am. Um, but yeah, I hope it didn't sound condescending when I talked to Peppa Pig that way. Why are you giggling? No, because the way that I said, that's my ma'am. Yeah, like a little country twang. Great foreshadowing for what we're talking about today. Another confused person said, I never had the courage of my convictions as long as danger is near. We have to do a whole peace episode. We have to do a whole peace episode. Yeah. We are like committed to doing the Sagittarius songs, like whole episodes on the Sagittarius songs. And peace is Mm -hmm. a Sagittarius song. I think we should do a whole episode for peace and a whole episode for cowboy like me. Oh, definitely. Oh my, those are two of my favorite from folklore evermore. So it, I know, I know. And to me, they are Sagittarius anthems. We will do a whole peace episode, but I do think that it has to do with like coming out and also just like don't have the courage to stand for the things that I believe in in theory sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, I I believe in a lot of things in theory, but in practice, it gets lost. And mm-hmm. I think that's also a Sagittarius flaw at times. Oh, so. yeah. Yeah, it's very easy to, to say things and to think things and to feel things. But when it comes down to actually acting, I think it's common for everyone, but I've noticed in Sagittarians that you kind of, like, freeze up. Because you're like, uh, I don't want, like, it's fight or flight mode always. And usually we're in fight mode. And when we're not, when we're actually scared, it's mm-hmm. freeze. Like, it's freeze or flight, you know? Yes. So, and I think that's just human, not just Sagittarius. But I think that's what it is. Like, courage in my convictions. These fears that I have that I, like, have worked so hard to break down and understand and, like, fight against. But the minute that those fears are near me and there's danger near me i that all goes out the window i don't remember a goddamn thing like (laughs) suddenly i'm too scared to even act and i think that honestly applies very well to taylor and her way of like being an advocate for the lgbt community while simultaneously being afraid to speak out about anything Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. i think that's why i love peace it's such a vulnerable admit 
like admitting song of like sometimes i am too scared yeah um i'm pretty sure there's something there's some kind of connection with friend of dorothea Mm -hmm. or of dorothy (laughs) friend of dorothy is supposed to be the lion because the lion is actually like queer coded well yeah so the friend of dorothy is the lion yeah and then she in the I Bet You Think About Me music video, I think someone posted on the Gaylor Reddit, like a parallel where oh. she's sitting at the table with the kids and she's doing like goofy little things and it was like paralleled with the lion. Um, what? From Wizard of Oz. So, wow, yeah, that's weird. I, it was like little, like a little goofy thing she did was like the same mannerism as the lion or something. So, oh my I God, know, the I love lion just like brought that out too. I know. <laughs> We'll find anything. No, truly. Okay, so now we can go ahead and get into our um, analysis of Taylor Swift's debut album. Well, at least five amazing front runner songs. Yes, um, yeah. The The real reason that we're here today is to talk about debut. Obviously, she hasn't released Taylor Swift, Taylor's version. First of all, do you think that she's going to the re-release will be Taylor Swift, Taylor's version? Because if so, it, it wouldn't make sense to be her final re-record. I do think that that's going to be the name, yeah. And I can see it being the last I mean, one. And if we're lucky enough, she'll tweet out Taylor now. Swift out now. <laughs> I, and that's the thing. Like, I feel like it would make a lot of sense for her to wait till the end of her re-records to come out to make the most amount of money possible, incorporate, mm-hmm. like, have the most amount of fans be spending money and buying her stuff, and then Taylor Swift will be her, like, coming out album. Because she mm-hmm. had to have vault songs that were her little gay as hell teenage self-writing i mean that's what we're kind of getting get into like a lot of those songs did sneak on to the album yeah a lot of these songs are explicitly gay some of her gayest and it's shocking exactly like it's really like she snuck in and then for fearless and speak now and even red like her first albums afterwards you really are seeing the kind of like pressure to be a little more gender conforming and like heterosexist yeah we don't know when taylor figured out that Mm -hmm. she was queer or like what her journey looked like there but like revisiting debut it seems like she's known like like at least since debut you know i really agree these songs are so so queer that it, it just i don't know if she didn't know at this time then she's just like the most queer person ever that like she was deep in the closet to not know if she was writing these songs, you know? Which I do relate to. Like, I do think of her as the, like, king of compet. Like, and, you know, like, a lot of her experiences feel very, very, like, descriptive of compet to me. But, like, I, I still, I still would just be so surprised that if she found herself writing all these songs to she pronouns like to from you know quote unquote the man's perspective if that wasn't like yearning that she was trying to express and like is it possible that she just didn't understand why she loved writing about girls so much yes that is possible but 
even if even if she didn't know, it's like who among us doesn't look back at our youth and be like, oh, that was a really gay thing I did. Right. That's the crazy part. Because I'm like, okay, admittedly, I look back at things that I did and I'm like, oh, yes, like, yes. that's so funny that I had no idea. Yeah. Like, how did I not know? Like going to pride yes. as a straight ally. You know what I mean? <laughs> so that's very true. Either either way, yeah. these songs are super fucking queer. And I found out a fun little fun fact before we get into the first song. Ooh, um, this okay. is something I've definitely heard. I need fun. So I'm really happy you're bringing fun into our lives. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Every, everyone in this community needs a little more fun. I think. Fun. Yes. So I've been doing a lot of um, little research on debut. And last night I discovered... Um, I've seen someone talk about this before, but I, I guess it's like a rediscovery for me, at least. There's an interview with Melissa Etheridge. I hope that's her name. The the famous lesbian singer-songwriter? Yes. Yep, exactly. Okay. Thank you. Yes. Okay. And I don't know when the interview is from, but I just saw it last night. I'll link it in the description so you guys can watch it. But it's Melissa talking about Taylor Swift. And it's it's kind of recent. Like, it must be within the last five years. The question was like, do you feel your music is now impacting others? Do you, oh. do you feel that in a sense? And Melissa was like, well, actually. I like to tell my children this way. I said, well, there was a, a woman who came up to me and said, you were one of the first concerts I went to when I was 11 years old. I was in Pennsylvania and I saw you play the guitar and that's what made me want to mm. uh, play guitar and sing and I said and that woman is Taylor Swift what <laughs> what yeah okay yeah and oh the my reason... god Taylor's oh, can you so imagine how... how fucking good that scene is going to be in Taylor's biopic like Taylor's biopic about you know like when she's finally out the you know the Evelyn Hugo like when she's old when she's Looking back and the scene of her being inspired by Melissa Etheridge and meeting Melissa Etheridge and telling her as a little girl that this flaming lesbian singer-songwriter inspires her. Come to my window, indeed. And do you want to know how I got, Katie? That's how I found this interview is because I was doing like lyric analysis of one of the songs from debut i don't remember which one one of them where she talks about coming to the window oh our song yes our song yeah. tapping on your window and there's another lyric about windows too and i was like windows are queer like they are like coming up to someone's window is queer because yes. you can't go to their front door like it's it's queer i started looking up because i knew that there was a song but i couldn't remember and then i found come to my window and then I found the interview because I was like, okay, does Melissa know Taylor Swift? Like, what what's happening here? And sure enough, she not only knows her, inspired her to s- become what she is now. What she is now. A lesbian <laughs> singer-songwriter. I just wanted to share that little fun fact. Since we're talking about debut, Taylor's origins, you know? Okay, so and this is there. the thing that's so exciting about debut for me. And this is why, like, we will talk about it again when Taylor's version comes out. But, like, talking about debut is talking about who Taylor was at the beginning. Like, what got her there? Like, what was her start? To talk about 
the first song that she came on the scene with, like her first hit, her first chart topping, being Tim McGraw, like mm-hmm. fucking coming onto the scene with Tim McGraw, I what I consider to be one of her gayest songs. Unreal. Like, and this is what we need to talk about because like, I think there's a narrative that like, oh, maybe Taylor's just figuring out she's queer. Like, oh, or like, you know, a lot of members of the queer community that don't care about Taylor and like don't think of her as a member of the queer community are always like, well, she's doing it like maybe she's doing it for clout or attention or like everyone's queer now. Queer baiting. It's like, no, we have to go back to the original songs, her Mm -hmm. baby, baby, baby Mm -hmm. self. And actually analyze those. So we're going to be doing the like four singles of debut. And then uh, the fifth is kind of like a very extra like Gaylor Hall of Fame song. So four Swift. (laughs) Yeah, I've read the classics are these five songs. (laughs) What I uh, let's get into Tim McGraw then. I mean, like beautiful transition. Oh, thank you. I try. I really, I have been wanting to get into Tim McGraw for a while, but for some reason, the past week or two weeks, it has hit me like an 18-wheeler how fucking gay this song is, and I am like exploding wanting to talk about it. My question for you, Katie, I don't know if you listen to country music Mm. Or if you did in, like, this era at all. But I I did just because I was a kid and my mom played a lot of country music. Specifically Tim McGraw. She loved Tim McGraw. Wow. And I hated Tim McGraw. But when she played me this song, I was like, holy shit, I hate Tim McGraw. But I love that this girl is singing about Tim McGraw. I like this, you know? Did... Were boys and men listening to Tim McGraw in this stage of country music i feel like tim mcgraw was for the girls she's singing about you know when you hear tim mcgraw i hope you think of me this is it's like an artist that her and this other person listen to together and like whatever it sounds like two besties that loved tim mcgraw together as far absolutely two girl besties like i hear this song as absolutely being about an intensely charged homoerotic yeah, friendship. I agree. Like, to the point where it's literally Taylor talking to her girl best friend, and they're, like, making fun of the boy that, like, tried to get with her, and, like, how dumb he was, and how, like, that boy was so annoying, like... But what a tiny piece of the summer he actually was, because it was the sacred moments between you and me on the like dock and like when you wore that black dress and I wore my faded blue jeans and like what we hung out this whole time, like those sacred moments between us that summer. That's what I actually think about. And like, I hope you don't think about him. I hope you don't think about that stupid boy who like that like told me lies to try to flirt with me. Like I almost like, I think I hope you think about me when you hear those songs. Like, I just feel like it's so obviously she is coming out of the gate with a he, you song. Mm -hmm. And as we know, there's nothing I fucking love more than he, you songs. And not only that, but the first fucking 
line that Taylor Swift says, for all intents and purposes, her first line ever in existence, being the first track on her first album, he said the way my blue eyes shined, put those Georgia stars to shame that night. I said, that's a lie. (laughs) Wow. Like, she literally is negging, like, being like rolling her eyes at a boy being like fuck boys like they don't mean they don't mean anything to me they know nothing they lie in the first fucking yeah. song and then it immediately goes into you it's like this boy was trying to charm me and i was like that's a lie like whatever you let me talk literally. about you and it literally says just a boy he was just a boy in a chevy truck that had a tendency of getting stuck on the back like bad like the burnt toast situation like whenever she's talking about guys it's like they do everything wrong like their their truck is always getting stuck he lies like he makes a burnt toast for you in the morning as opposed to me who's a baker <laughs> and I was right there beside him all summer long. So she must have had like a summer job working with him. This like stupid boy that like flirted with all the girls. And then the time we woke up to find that summer gone. But when you think Tim McGraw, I hope you think of me, baby, like babe, my best friend, little girly bestie as the kids she's like aside from all that bullshit that the guy was telling me when you think tim mcgraw yes (laughs) like aside from all this other bullshit i did during the summer exactly as opposed to this guy that we had to work with that was always hitting on us even though we were obviously in love with each other like i hope you think of me i i could blast off to the moon with the feelings this song makes me feel like This is the original August, and obviously we have to talk about its links to Dorothea. The fact that she literally, like, this song almost, because it takes place in Georgia, like, I think of this as being Tupelo, Georgia, and Tupelo, Georgia being the, like, imaginary hometown Taylor returns to in her mind. Like, her little country twang that she puts on in debut, that's her channeling her pseudo-self in Tupelo, Georgia. And that also happens to be where Dorothea is from, and August is from, and Betty and James is from, is Tupelo in her mind. I, I literally feel like she was, like, yeah. re-recording debut, like, or revisiting debut to re-record while she was writing um, Folklore and Evermore, because... When you look through debut, it literally all could be a part of the same story as Folklore and Evermore. So it's almost like her confirming that, like, yeah, this is all fiction, just like debut was, just like all of my music has been riddled and, like, there's so many undertones of fiction in my entire discography, and you guys haven't noticed yet. Like, I'm still writing about these same made-up places, people, and things for you all to think that I'm straight, like... (laughs) An amazing part about that is that she literally did say, like, at the time of Red, like, back in 2012 or whatever, that all of her songs on debut and Fearless were made up because she had never been in a relationship before then. And how she was, like, writing songs based on, like, what she thought love was like. 
And so, like, it was incredible that she kind of said that, but then no one has really taken it seriously in their analysis of her songs. Like, and by analysis, what I mean is the people trying to find muses and, like, being obsessed with finding the muses. Like, they don't take it seriously. They're like, oh, she's lying. That was for her good girl image. But, like, I feel like what she's... And also, I mean, you kind of can't even blame them because Taylor's also obsessed with saying things like, folklore's the first time I haven't written about an own experience. Even though this is the same one writing about, like, the Kennedys, like, from the perspective of, of a Kennedy. But, yeah, like, Taylor does, like, lie all the time. But I feel like it's important to remember that, like, she has told us that these two albums are not verbatim. Like, they don't have real people to attribute it to. Just like folklore. I love that you said that, that it was like, it's like the same universe. Yeah. You mentioned the little black dress and and the faded blue jeans. That has to be one of my favorite, like, gayler flips on the lyrics. Because it's not only in this one, it's also in the other side of the door from Fearless. When she sings about, like, little black dress, but also jeans, but if she's wearing faded blue jeans, then who's wearing the little black dress? You know? Like, she really is the man. Was she worth this mess? Exactly. I just love that because she's such a genius because literally anyone could hear that and be like, oh, yeah, Taylor's in the little black dress in this scene and in a different scene, she's in the faded blue jeans. But it's like, no, she's singing about the same setting. Yeah, she always makes sure that she doesn't attribute the dress to anyone. And she always puts herself in jeans because she's like, I need people to know that I'm with femmes. Yeah, I'm the man. Okay. <laughs> I am king. I'm the man. What do you think like about the um the way my blue eyes shine put those Georgia stars to shame that night? I totally agree, by the way, about like Tupelo, Georgia. But then like dorothea the stars in your eyes shined brighter in tupelo because like i try to make these like cinematic universe connections so i'm like okay taylor's dorothea okay so i think that taylor's dorothea and august is who okay so dorothy um okay (laughs) tim mcgraw is sung from dorothea's perspective And August is who Tim McGraw is sunk to. Oh, so true. I was right there beside you all summer long. Because, you know, I really, I think that August is um, who's singing Dorothea. Yeah, right. We talked about that in, in the Evermore episodes. And doesn't Tim McGraw sound like it was written from the perspective of a 15-year-old version of the same person that uh, sings Tim the da- Tis the Damn Season. Totally. It's literally like, remember me. Messy remember as the me. mud on your truck tires. Oh. The truck with the tendency of getting stuck. Well, that's his truck. But if his truck is always getting stuck, then August actually knows how to move through the, ti- the August mud. also has a truck, but August's truck doesn't get stuck. Like the gross boy. You need to have a truck because of mud season. Exactly. August knows how to drive her truck. August knows how to drive the truck. Unlike Mr. Sir, their co-worker. Unlike Mr. Sir, their co-worker. Madison, the world that we are building (laughs) in Taylor's, like, I would fucking do anything for this, like, 
all-girl melodrama. You know what I picture? Set in Tupelo. I picture, like, whenever yeah. we talk about, like, this cinematic universe, I literally picture the L word, like, map of, like, all the names and then, like, the connections exactly. to everyone. Like, I'm, exactly. like, August, Dorothea, exactly. <laughs> the co-worker boy. <laughs> like, exactly. <laughs> so Dorothea, in some ways, she thinks her hometown is Tupelo. But I also get the sense that maybe she only visited it in the summer. A summer job. Yeah, like, so maybe, like, her parents are divorced and, like, her dad's house is in Tupelo. So during the school year, she's not there. Right. And then the first summer she doesn't come back to Tupelo is the summer that August doesn't have Dorothea, which is why August seduces James. Oh. Like, because... Dorothea is off, like, shooting her L.A. dreams. So for the first summer, she doesn't go home to Tupelo. I think of August as being, like, the essential local, like, never leaves. Like, you know, didn't go to college. Like, works as a waitress in, like, a bar downtown. Very homebody. Like, so hot. Like, so, so, so hot. Like, so hot that, like, when you go home, you don't feel bad for her for never leaving. You're, like... I should stay here because August lives here. Right. She's like big fish in the little pond. Exactly. Exactly. But like doesn't even know it. And like that's what makes it so hot, you know? Um, And also she's so unattainable. So people only have like a crush on her. They never actually like get into anything long term with her. That's why when she was like, oh, Dorothea is not coming home this summer. Like she's out in L.A. shooting her shot. I won't see her till winter break when she comes home. For Christmas, which is, you know, tis the damn season. For tis the damn season. For tis the damn season. <laughs> so that summer, she's like, oh, maybe I should ask out James, the girl that keeps coming around and obviously is flirting with me. Like, James probably... Right. Probably summer between her freshman, sophomore year of college. And mm-hmm. Betty is a senior, maybe? Or you know what? I bet oh, James okay. I bet James is senior going into college. Wait, but then homeroom. Homeroom. They all knew each other in high school. <laughs> That's for sure. They definitely this is, so, so, it goes so back. Oh wait. Because they back. skipped prom, like No, for sure. Like when are we gonna write the screenplay for a series of Gayler cinematic universe characters. Yes, you know? yes like, exactly. Like we need a gay, a gay southern, like mm-hmm. little town drama sitcom. Like yes, and the best part will be the very very old lesbians. Um, that will be Ivy. The story of who Ivy is. Yeah, it'll like parallel both stories uh-huh. of like the teenagers yes. and then them going into college, and but also the the older lesbians in the community yes. who are like sneaking around because they're like they're older. The people around them are homophobic. Like Ooh, I think love of it. like um no, I do. I actually would watch that. Uh, me too. <laughs> like, Absolutely. God, that just seems so good. And so, anyways, this is all to say that like. Tim McGraw, I think, is one of her most underratedly, obviously gay songs when you actually think about it. 
uh, like and realize mm-hmm. how negative the first part is and that it's he pronouns and it transitions to exclusively positive nostalgic things using you pronouns i want us to do a whole episode like breaking down her use of pronouns and we're gonna have to start with tim mcgraw because she's literally been doing it since her debut yeah and not only did she open the song with that's a lie and like the line about him Mm -hmm. she also closes the song with the same line with he said the way my blue eyes shine i said that's a lie god i love her so much she does not do anything for the male gaze and that's the thing about why i was talking about melissa etheridge and like her influence by her because it's like even if taylor didn't know that she was queer or like was experiencing combat or something her subconscious was clearly inspired by it and writing from a place of admiration for a lesbian singer songwriter so it com- that shows through in her work even if she wasn't in a place of like accepting her queerness or even yes. knowing about it you know what i mean i really do it's so crazy yeah it is and the fact that this was just like playing on country radio. No one knows that undertone, you know? I hope my biggest dream for debut and a lot of other Gaylor's biggest dreams is for her to re-record all of her debut songs with she, her pronouns. Where they're where they're supposed to be. This still better be a he pronoun. Um, but you can be she. The you pronouns can be she. Yeah. And then like them taking over country radio again, like taking over country radio again with the same songs, but gay, (laughs) you know? Speaking of gay, the next song is Picture to Burn. What a joy to be a Taylor Swift fan. The only reason we wanted to do this song is because of course it was like a big single for her. But also, if you didn't know, the original lyric for Picture to Burn in the first verse when she says, you won't mind if I say, originally said, I'll tell mine you're gay, meaning she will tell her friends that the subject of the song is gay. That's right. So it's, um, first of all, abs- one of the catchiest songs right out of the gate. Oh, so catchy. Yes. Like such a good banger. I really see it as kind of, like I feel like every album has has a song that kind of like can echo another song and this one really echoes better than revenge for me or better than revenge echoes this one like it's like angry girl um energy pop punk energy another original lyric in the song I didn't write it down so I don't know what the exact words are but I just heard it on TikTok the other day in one of her first performances and it was like Instead of, my daddy's going to show you how sorry you'll be, she sings, my wife beater wearing something redneck daddy is going to show you how sorry you'll be. Like, it's like a whole (laughs) mouthful of a line. That's the original lyric. (laughs) My wife beater wearing redneck daddy. Yes, like she was really leaning into this character because imagine Scott Swift in a wife feeder. No, 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 no. And if you come around saying sorry to me, my wife beater wearing daddy with his new automatic is gonna let you know. (laughs) I'm not even kidding. I literally can't make this shit up. <laughs> With his new automatic is gonna let you know how sorry you'll be. <laughs> sorry, I 
I just read it over again because I just can't believe it. I just is new automatic. Taylor's really insane. <laughs> As you put on your Trixie Mattel lip gloss. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's me. That's what I'm doing. It's so uh, sweet. And you it's know, it so takes slay. one to know one. My, my wife, my wife beater wearing daddy with his new automatic. That's Scott Swift's new blind item, like, character name. It seems that a wife beater wearing daddy with a new automatic has made some shady business deals, but shade never made anybody, any daughter less gay. Has made some new business deals that his daughter is going to have to tolerate. Ooh, (laughs) that one is good. I love it. Okay, what's the tune to Picture to Burn? It's, um... Okay, we need that to be a sound on the soundboard. And I'll bet you think about my wife beer, who my wife beaten with, and daddy with, his new automatic... I do think about I him. I do think about him, actually. Thank you. In fact, it's I consider him my sleep paralysis demon. Yes, exactly. Scott Swift in a wife beater with a new automatic. Sorry, I just got nauseous for a minute thinking about Scott Swift. I'm not even kidding. Like, I'm not even doing a bit. I literally almost just threw up <laughs> thinking about him. Oh, oh my God. God. This that is was a so very dramatic. chaotic episode. I know. <laughs> I know. I love it. I love it too. I feel like we're really bringing Patreon energy to the main feed. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely are. <laughs> I love it. That being said, um subscribe to our Patreon for an episode um all the weeks that we don't upload on Spotify on the main feed. We do upload on Patreon. Yes. And should we mention that we're actually going to be taking a break after our 13th episode of this season. We're going to be taking a break on the main feed. Should we mention that now? I feel like we should. Yeah. Forewarning. Easter egg. <laughs> Easter egg is straight up telling you. <laughs> or we could we could have it play in the background uh, quietly, and that would be an Easter egg. That's an Easter egg. Yeah, we're, we're going to do seasons of 13 episodes. Of course. So I almost feel like, should our 13th episode after this one be the pronoun episode? Oh, yes. I would die. Yes. Let's do it. I love it. It's like a serious, like what a good serious finale. Yeah. Yeah. And that's going to require like a good amount of like research for us and like a good amount of analysis yeah. and like genuine yes. reasoning for why we do this podcast. Like. <laughs> Exactly. So it'll be such a good bookend because we really started off on a very intellectual, cerebral note, and then we lost our minds along the way. Um, And now we will take a little break and then come back for a second season at some point. And all the while, be on Patreon twice a month. And over on Patreon, we are unhinged as fuck. And we talk about more than we talk about here. And... We also just get high. So if you want to get high with us on Patreon, it's encouraged. You're also encouraged if you drink wine to drink wine. And Mm. if you're sober, um, just come in a silly mood. That's all you need. 
you'll get high on vibes. endorphins endorphins yeah that's the word i was high on for. vibes that's so true yeah just be in a silly goofy mood with your caramel corn and you know fudgicles and um lemonade etc why was i like a robot I know. Like, I was a <laughs> robot that just tried to name three human foods. <laughs> and I came out with caramel corn, fudgicles, and lemonade. That really did sound like an alien, like, trying to pretend to be human. Uh-huh. I wanted to share something very interesting with you um, before we go on to the next song, which is last night, Drag Race spoilers for anyone who hasn't uh, watched, but... um my favorite drag queen, Willow Pill, did win uh, the title of America's Next Drag Superstar. Thank you, Madison. But something amazing that occurred was during the like finale when RuPaul was asking Willow uh, questions and stuff. Um, a question he asked Willow was, if an alien came to Earth and asked what drag was, what would you tell them? And Willow Pill said, mental illness and rhinestones. Personally, like, I really, really want, I, I really want to rhinestone that onto, like, my denim jacket. Yeah. Um, but I also am just like, that is what it is to be a gayler. I was going to say that. Truly. Yeah. Gaylers and drag queens are Venn diagram. And in the middle is mental illness and rhinestones. Absolutely. And also willow pill. So it it really feels like it's a very intersection. It's also very Rebecca Harkness. Absolutely it is. Mental illness and rhinestones is actually. If any of our listeners happen to have the Rebecca Harkness biography... Yes, it is so expensive. You cannot buy it anywhere. It's like four hundred and fifty dollars. And Madison and I are desperate to get our hands on a copy so we can do an episode on Rebecca Harkness. Mm -hmm. Like, but we really want to read the book. Yeah, so if any of you have it, if any of you know of how to get it, like if your library has a copy and you want to scan the pages to us illegally, um, or legally, I don't know. It could be legal. Uh, How about you do it legally? I don't know. Why did you suggest it was illegal? Okay. Um, But yeah, just (laughs) let us know because we would love, love, love that. It would be so good. Like we really want to do a Rebecca Harkness episode, but need the book. Yeah, we've literally, yeah. I think it was one of the first things we talked about. We were like, like, after our it first episode. It was, like, we texted about this in November. Yeah, exactly. And literally, I, I've checked every library in my state. Like, I can't find it anywhere. If anyone has it, or even if you could, like, mail it to us to lend it for us to use, and we oh, will yeah. scan it. Lend it, for sure. We'll pay for shipping. Yeah. Like, and please. We'll get it back for Yes. Of course. If we can spend $30 or less on getting this book to us, we'll be very happy with that. It's a shot in the dark because this book is so hard to get. Okay, next song. Speaking of mentally ill gay women, the next song is Teardrops on My Guitar. So this is the song that made me think I hated Taylor Swift's music. I know. I know that this is one of your favorite songs of hers from when you were little um i just don't like music like this 
like country music that's not like upbeat. That's fair. Yeah. And I also did not like, even at a young age, who I, even though I was a straight girl, you know, then. I mean, at this point, like, I'm, I am much older than you. So I probably heard this song for the first time when I was a sophomore in high school. Like, I think it came out when I was a sophomore, maybe. Mm. Or maybe a junior. Mm-hmm. Um, but... It just was so, like, boy crazy to me. Like, the idea that, like, she's crying over yeah. her guitar over a boy, like, never sat right with me. So. And the fact that she opens it up being, like, Drew. Drew is the boy that I'm talking about. Exactly. Like, this yeah. felt like... And again, like, I think that was a very conscious effort for this to be the image they pushed out of Taylor. And, like, I'm very mad at her management and her team now because, like, it sucks that be, like, under the surface, I could have loved, loved, loved Taylor this whole time. And I could have been, like, present in the fandom for, like, key Gaylor moments if I had just known. But, like, I don't know. Yeah, I just, like, I don't like the song and, and, yeah. So I really want to hear your perspective and I've really been looking forward to it. You'll be happy to know that the original version didn't have any pronouns in it and didn't have Drew in it. The original demo, um, she sings, you look at me and not Drew looks at me. Um, And the only pronoun in the song is she when she says, I'll bet she's beautiful. That's the original demo. And it's honestly a much more beautiful song with the more gender neutral pronouns anyways. And with just you, um, that made the song grow on me more because now I don't really like it as when I was a kid and I was like, really, um, I don't know, actually crying over boys, like (laughs) as a child, like drama. I loved it, but I like it a lot more with the you. My favorite part is, of course, how she will be singing about quote-unquote singing about men but then only talks about the girl that the men are with i know supposedly you know what i mean I, yeah that's I do. my favorite genre of taylor um like better than revenge-esque you know like jolene yeah. type of deal um yeah so in this song she's like I'll bet she's beautiful, like the kind of flawless that I wish I could be. Like she's like, I love the girl that you're with. I hate you. You're the reason for the teardrops on my guitar. Which, if you flip it in a in the way that she is singing about a guy, it also makes sense because it's like if she's infatuated with the girl that this guy is with, of course he would be the reason for the teardrops on her guitar because she's like. I can't be with her because of you, Drew. I love that so much. I really love that. Going along with the theme that you were talking about of only talking about men in the negative light, mm. she has the lyric, um, he's the song in the car I keep singing, don't know why I do. So it's like, <laughs> so compet. Like, it's so like, <laughs> I. if he's the song I keep singing, why do I keep singing it? Like, I don't even actually like him. Like, that's literally wow. what she's saying. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. She also says she better hold you tight, give you all her love, look in those beautiful eyes and know she's lucky because she's calling this guy's eyes beautiful. Like, it, it just feels like she's, like, crushing on this girl who's, like, openly out and queer and has a girlfriend. And she's like, she, your girlfriend better look in your beautiful eyes and know that she's lucky because 
I have teardrops on my guitar because I can't be with you. I mean, that's the thing. She, like, loves using she pronouns. She loves talking about girls. Even when she's singing, quote unquote, about boys, she's... Do you remember... I don't remember where this was, but I think it might have been in Miss Americana. Like, the idea that Taylor, at the beginning of her career, no one thought that people would want to hear the music she was writing, which is music for teenage girls. Because, like, music for teenage girls, like, that's the only thing people want to hear. So, like, do they... Well, specifically country music for t- for teenage girls. That was something that was... That was missing. Like, we had Carrie Underwood and, right. you know, Shania Twain before that. And, like, these, like, mainstream country women. But there was no teenage girl country artists or country music for teenage girls specifically. I feel like that is almost a euphemism for the way that she is obsessed with girls. Like, because, like, she has always been actively pushing past the male gaze and like she does not write music for men in any capacity whereas like like simply her business model her demographic is not anything to do with men and and therefore like she's never been sexy ever Mm -hmm. like it literally she wasn't in she was in her late 20s before she went out in anything sexy and it was exclusively when she was performing in front of her like thousands of girl fans like she's never done sexy shoots she's never like she's actively refusing to be in the male gaze and like that's why she wasn't really being picked up as a songwriter or excuse me as a singer or pop star because she cannot cater to men and there's no market for teenage girls Supposedly. Supposedly. (laughs) Like, obviously, we know that that's insane and that, like, girls love supporting other girls. Like, we just love each other. Like, Mm -hmm. and that, like, the myth of mean girls. And And girls run pop music. Exactly. And, like, we love it. Like, Mm -hmm. truly, uh, yes, uh, we know that's not true. But, like, people were afraid of Taylor because they didn't see a straight girl that they could, like, manipulate. Right. And I, and I feel like that's why she's so different. Yeah. Imagine if she, her debut album was her singing about, like, and his big muscles when he's driving his truck and and carrying the wheelbarrow down the farm. And, like, imagine if it was just her. I love like, your attempts at being straight, Madison. <laughs> Oh my goodness, I've never heard someone whip off their mask so quickly. Or like, excuse me, like whip on the mask, like literally be like, whip on, whip on the mask and be like, oh my God, like you literally had like a head What would that be like? Like pushing wheelbarrows, (laughs) like, because that's why I'm trying to think like country music that would attribute to the male gaze, that would gas the male gaze. Well, okay, so this is the thing. Like the the male, this is what I think think about male gazy girl. Like the songs themselves, like the lyrics, are always going to appeal to girls. But the male gaze comes in because, like, we are taught as girls 
the thing that we should desire most is to be desired by men. So part of a girl's marketing has to be that she's desired by men because like that is kind of the only thing that our patriarchal culture is comfortable with like a woman's quality it is like pushing that on and in order for a woman to be desired by men she has to have a level of complicitness in that and like wanting to be desired by men and like I just feel like Taylor literally doesn't have that. She really does. That's why they have to overcompensate by adding Drew and adding Corey in the Stay Beautiful song and adding he, him pronouns. Right. Because, like, the thing is, is, is uh, like, I don't think that if she was actually attracted to men, she would write things like his strong muscles. Like, that's insane. Um, but, like, what... <laughs> I know, I don't know. No, I know. I loved it. It was amazing. Your little things. Like, what that actually looks like is, like, yearnings of, like, being held and, like, physically protected and, like, you know, like, Mm. like, being carried or, like, things that require, like, a sort of masculine energy to them. Things that she still sings about, but in much different, like way different contexts. Like even like Willow, like begging for you to take my hand and lead me because you're my man or like carrying me up the stairs and like other side of the door or like he's driving. I'm in the passenger seat, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. that type of dynamic Uh she still sings about it but it's still savage (laughs) like well and that yeah exactly and it's because it's cushioned by everything else but like i don't know like there's just there's just like an energy that like songs written about like like that desire men it's like they can hear it like men hear a song and they're like oh, I want my girlfriend to listen to music like this because it means she wants me. And other music, like Taylor Swift's music, where guys hear and they're like, I don't get this. It's like... Because it's not for you. Because it's not for you. Whereas, like, Mm -hmm. a lot of love songs, like, a lot of, like, love songs are for, like, you know, like, playlists for, like, you and your guy partner to, like, make out make out with i just feel like that vibe is not there with taylor swift like even picturing false god playing for a straight couple gives me the ick yeah that's not right and i think that a lot of guys feel that way that's why they don't like her music exactly because they're like because they can't see themselves in it exactly exactly and like that is the thing is that like i bet a lot of men heard her songs and we're like oh these are good but like it just i don't get how we could market her right well that's the thing so this demo of teardrops on my guitar with you pronouns was actually pitched for the dixie chicks oh and wow. they rejected it wow but when taylor decided to put it on her album they replaced you with drew and then with you with he wow so 
that's exactly yeah like they couldn't market teardrops on my guitar with just you because they were like i mean like i'm picturing like a table of men at a label listening to it and being like what are you even singing about like i don't understand but the minute that you add drew and the minute that you add he they can insert themselves into it exactly these like label executives who are the ones making the decisions and they're like Oh, okay, now this is marketable. Now we can play this on the radio because it makes sense what you're singing about exactly. now that we can see ourselves in it. Yeah, and... The next song that we yes. gotta get into? Yes. Mary's song. <sighs> and then parentheses, oh my, my, my. Oh, uh, this song is Apple Pie. It is. And, okay, so friend of the show, Kat, who was on, um, you know, our meeting episode was in the room with us when we recorded in person um she sent me the most amazing sing-along of them singing to mary's song like on their way to work and said something incredible which is that in cat's opinion it literally describes what they consider to be a dream of theirs for a pretty girl to beat them up. (laughs) Um, I mean, it does. It does. Yeah. And like, I really love that because take me back to the house in the backyard tree said you'd beat me up. You were bigger than me. You never did. You never did. Like salty cat was like, I was, I would also be upset. Like you said you were going to beat me up and you didn't. And like, I'm literally obsessed. Like that was my favorite text video in the world to receive. Like really changed my perspective on even that aspect of the song. But I will say that, like, from the moment I heard the song and read the lyrics, I was like, oh, she's being gay on Maine. I think it's so funny because as a kid, this was one of my skips on the album. Like, I had this CD and I would skip this one because I was a sad girl and this was too happy for me. Um, So I never listened to this one as a kid. And then when I revisited it, probably about a year ago, because someone was like, is this song connected to Seven? And I was like, hold on. Oh, yes. More characters. More characters. No, yes. It's literally the context of Seven. Like, it's a continuation of the story. Because she starts out the song with, she said, I was seven and you were nine. Madison, this means that there's going to be like an elementary school little baby first crush aspect to it. It's literally going to be three generations of queer, sapphic. Oh, my God. And the story is that the kids in Seven and Mary's song... Um, the parent, the dad that hides in the, that makes them hide in the closet and that's always mad is always mad because his wife is gay and having an affair with, and that's Ivy. And he, who's going to burn it to the ground, is the kids in Seven, one of their dads. Amazing. Oh my god, we have to write this. <laughs> I really Our agree. next big project. <laughs> yeah. Netflix? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this could be her third film. You know, she has the three film deal with Netflix. Her contract. Exactly. Though the third film is the Seven Husbands fucking film adaption. (laughs) Adaptation. Actually, yeah. Yeah, now we know why it went to Netflix. Yeah. 
So then she also says in this one, I looked at you like the stars that shined in the sky, the pretty lights. So it's like, I just love her little comparisons of like eyes to stars and looking at people like stars. It's so cute and such a consistent theme. She's so good at keeping it consistent. Another mention of the wife beating, wearing daddy with new automatic, um, she says, our daddies used to joke about the two of us growing up and falling in love. Our mamas smiled and rolled their eyes and said, oh, my, my, my. And they're smiling and rolling their eyes because they're like, hmm, yeah, right. Because if the daddies are joking about two people getting together, it's clearly a boy and a girl. So, like, the moms are rolling their eyes and they're like, hmm, yeah, right. Because those moms are having an affair, the affair <gasps> in Ivy. <laughs> That's why they're rolling their eyes. Because they're like, uh, oh if only they knew. Oh, my yeah. God. I love that. <laughs> I really love that. The chorus, like, this song is quite literally seven. Like, I know for a fact she wrote seven based off of this song. Because then she, in the chorus, she says, take me back to the house in the backyard tree. Does she not open oh. seven with, picture me in the trees on the swing? It's, of course. You can just see it. Of course. Oh, my it's God. It's the same setting. Madison, it's like this album takes place in the same universe as Folklore and Evermore. Yeah. Which is her gay little universe in her yeah. head. Yeah, Tupelo. And you know what's very special about Tupelo, too? One of the first songs that I ever associated with Lizzie, like, when we got together, is the song Tupelo Honey by Van Morrison. So, like, I love that song, and, like, I love Tupelo. Like, I think it's such a beautiful word. And I love Tupelo Honey, of course, because I love honey, and it's, like, so special. Um, so it's very special that Tupelo came up in little um, her world, and also that, like, uh, yeah, it's just so nice. No, I always think about Tupelo Honey when I hear her say that, so that's so cute. It reminds me, this is such a random connection. This is just my brain. I'm sorry. It has nothing oh, to do. Okay. But the Kehlani song, Honey, I think it's Kehlani. <gasps> yes, that's, I love that's like, that song. I like my girls like I like my exactly. honey. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's like why I love, that's why I love thinking about honey because honey is so sapphic, like so, so sapphic. And that's also why I love Winnie the Pooh because Winnie the Pooh is a they, them lesbian. That's so true. I really need to be more proud of the fact that uh, Winnie the Pooh is a very relatable character to me. Because a lot of times I'm very ashamed of my Winnie the Poohness. But, um. No. Yeah, like. Pooh's one of the best characters. And, I mean, like, honestly, a femme for femme, too, because of Little Piglet, you know? Maybe that's why Taylor mentions Tupelo, because of, like, Tupelo Honey. Maybe that's what. Exactly. What, what the association is. Yeah, like, that's why it's, like, her... I, I feel like that makes a lot of sense that her... That she would, like, find out about Tupelo honey, the most special, precious honey that, like, is really treasured around the world, and find out that it comes from a town in Georgia, which is, you know, like, very storied in, like, the white American mind as being, like, so fresh and, like, like ripe, like peaches, you know? And find out, like, 
what is sweeter than a town known for its honey? Like, that's my dreamscape. My land is is Tupelo, Georgia. And it's like she's finally in her album that's a love letter to teenage girls, which is what I consider folklore to be. She wrote the ultimate love letter to herself for creating this world and was like, I'm going to name it Tupelo because, like, it's a honey sweet town. Yeah, and I think people associate it more with Tupelo, Mississippi, like Elvis, like his birthplace, and like whatever. Really? Which also makes sense because, I don't know, Taylor likes Elvis, so does of course. some other people in her life. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, but yeah, we all know Taylor's the king of double meanings, triple meanings. Yeah, so she talks about this backyard that like is literally the image that like the same image that you picture when you listen to seven and then she's like i dared you to kiss me and ran when you tried which is like such a cute little queer child experience of like i dare you to kiss me and then being like oh my god we can't do that (laughs) never mind i'm gonna run away now and really admiring the bravery of the other girl too which i love like yeah, I just, I always, I love that. Like, I love how much Taylor admires bravery in others and, like, taking the chances, actually following through. Like, that thrills her to no end. And, you know, she always acknowledges when she runs away in the face of those things. Because she never had the courage in her convictions, right? Exactly. Yeah, and that, I mean, that is, again, a line that is saying the exact same thing. I dared you to mm-hmm. kiss me, but I actually ran away when you tried. And you said you'd beat me up because you were bigger than me, and then you never did. Like, we both were just teasing each other. Like, hee hee But then, in the verse, it's like, this, this, oh, I love her storytelling. This song is so well written. So she, then, in the second verse, she goes into, I'm 16 suddenly. I wasn't that little girl that you used to see, but your eyes still shined like pretty lights. Um, she says, Our daddies used to joke about the two of us, and they never believed we'd really fall in love. And then, of course, the next chorus, instead of being in the backyard tree, now they're in the creek beds, which also aligns with seven because, like, yeah, picture me, the creek. I was too scared to jump in. Yes. You know? Exactly. So she's singing about riding in their truck, blah, blah, blah. Take me back to the time we had our very first fight, slamming doors instead of kissing goodnight. You stayed outside till morning light, which is so interesting because I'm like, I picture, like, this, like, queer couple and the other person has to, like, stay outside because, like, you can't come in and sleep over because we're going to get in trouble. But the other person's like, then I'll just wait out here <laughs> all night. And then, of course, it ends with the other person proposing. And then this part is what's so interesting. It says, take me home where we met so many years before. We'll rock our babies on that very front porch after all this time, you and I. So, this reminds me of her unreleased song from this era, Me and Britney, right? Exactly. Which exactly. Is about her and Britney drinking, what is it, iced tea or lemonade? One of the two on the front yes. porch yes. together. Like, I just think it's very coincidental that the same time period that she wrote this song, she also wrote Me and Britney. And uh-huh. the only time she's talking about a front porch and sitting on the front porch is with Britney rocking their babies together. Uh, it's like this song is literally like she 
obviously wrote it about wanting to grow old with another girl, like with her best friend. Yeah. And like she obviously wrote it about that and then like had to figure out a way to make it less gay. So all of the weird parts of it, dads never, ever, ever joke about like their daughter getting with someone. Like, that's, like, not... No matter who it is. No matter who it is. Dads are always so protective and, like... my Yeah, like, they would never Especially joke about Especially in, that. like, southern... Exactly. This, like, Tennessee setting that we're thinking of. Exactly. Yeah. Like, moms would do that, if anything. So, like, dads... But, like, you know what dads do is delegitimize any sort of, like, gay attraction. So, like, that was a way of, like having dads like delegitimize and like make fun of things and the moms being like rolling their eyes and protective yes they joked about the two of them and then in the second verse they never believed we really fall in love exactly like Like, they joked about it and then we actually ended up together oops (laughs) and that's why the moms are rolling their eyes and laughing and giggling about it because they're like hee they actually yeah. might end up together. <laughs> like, and uh, being protective over their daughters. Like, when their dad makes little jokes about them, like, rolling their eyes. Like, that is what was, like, put into this song in a way that's not actually reflective of reality, but, like, sounds in passing like it's reflective of reality. Yeah. Right. You can still visualize it. Exactly. It just, it doesn't... In, like, a movie sense. Exactly. You can really picture it in a movie sense, but it's, like, not observational. Whereas a lot of the other stuff feel like they're a little too specific. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to mention, too, that this song is supposedly about um, Taylor's neighbors growing up. Like, it was inspired by... Her next door neighbors, who was like an old couple, who had known each other since they were kids. Yes. Yeah. That's why it's Mary's song. Um, And they talked to Taylor one night about how they met or whatever. And she was so touched by the story that she wrote this song for her neighbor, Mary. So kind of transitioning to the next song, I think it's so weird that she has Mary's song on the album and then our Our song. I know. Like, what does that mean? And also the fact that Taylor is just putting women's, like, women's names into songs since her debut album, like, is so funny to me. Like, she has been singing about and for, for, about, and to women since debut. Like one, yes. And even if the song is named after a man like Tim McGraw, it's still not about man (laughs) so it's just so funny like it's literally saying i hope that when you think of a man what you actually think of is me if you have to think about a guy make sure you're you're mostly thinking about you immediately think of me after if you're thinking about that summer fling that you had don't forget about our summer fling that was also happening now this is the song that i heard and made me be like, okay, this is the song. Like, I, this was always the song I considered my favorite Taylor Swift song. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Like, this was, I was always like, this one slaps. Yeah, it is. It's so, like, and that's, like, why I think of it as so canon gay. 
because it's just so sweet. It's so, it's the perfect country song. It really is. And it's fun. You like fun country songs, and this is one of the fun ones. Exactly. I love fun ones. Mm -hmm. Something that I love about this song that I talked about when I was like, when I was in like the pop culture panel thing, and I kind of said this, like, I don't know, off the cuff, I guess. Like, I, I hadn't planned to say this or hadn't thought about it before until I was just like word vomiting and now I can't stop thinking about it this song is queer in the sense of course she's saying I didn't kiss her and she's using she her pronouns for um, the majority of the song Mm -hmm. but also if you think about it like queer people didn't have songs that could be even canoned as Ah, their songs on the radio at this time yes 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 yes. she's quite literally saying there's no song out there that can be our song so i have to make it and now this is our song as queer people like truly like as a community i heard every album i've listened to the radio i was waiting for some good queer shit to come along and to play in the mainstream and it never did so here it is for all my queer people and you know our secret language, like, that's spoken through, like, sneaking around, talking quiet on the phone because we're closeted, and the slamming screen door because I have to go in through the back door because I can't use the front door because it's too obvious. Like, those, like, queer themes in his- history and literature and the queer code, like, yeah. she puts it all into this fucking song, and it quite literally is our song for queer people Ugh, i know it's so like uh that's exactly right and like that grasp to have a grasp over that as a teenager writing this song in her math class like performing this song at her high school talent show like a song that has such an inherent deep grasp over intimacy and like what makes a bond between two people like what makes memories to have a grasp over that like when you are young they assume you know nothing i just i can't get over like how she has always been a girl for girls like she always has been for the girls Like, she just really loves and values, like, very precious aspects of being a little teenager, being a little tender-hearted teenage girl. Like, what a blessing. Like, I remember, because obviously you were a teenager when this came out, and I was a kid, so when I would listen to it, I'd be like, oh my god, I can't wait to be a teenager and to, like, sneak out late and, like, tap on uh, tap on their window and to talk on the phone and be sneaky and, like, you know? And that's how queer relationships go as an adult sometimes. <laughs> Do you I, know what I mean? I, like, yeah, definitely. And that's this is that window reference, too. Like, sneaking out late, tapping on your window, come to my window. Yeah, and we know that she was listening to... Melissa Etheridge before she wrote this song. I forget so much that she's been writing queer music and that it's not just from folklore or reputation even on. You know what I mean? Yeah, I really do. I really do. And like, it is so important to be like grounded in 
that reality that like she has been doing this this isn't our imagination we didn't like see a pride dress we didn't watch you need to come down and try to justify her actions like this she's really been telling us her entire career and we've just been like listening to everyone but her the entire time when she was out here singing i didn't kiss her and i should have and like she's the best thing that's ever been mine even you know i was recently watching because i have this list of like the cringiest things that taylor did that like would just add to my list of being a hater and Hmm. it was like one album there would be a very cringy thing and 1989's cringy thing was the my ex-man brought his new girlfriend she's like oh my god but i just gotta shake and i decided to revisit the shake it off music video because i was like how did she explain this and i got an answer which is in the music video she is trying on all these personas that like don't fit her and like aren't right and she does the ballet and it doesn't fit she does like the very regrettable and problematic um like hip-hop one (laughs) very embarrassing um and yeah cheerleader and then like when it cuts to the chorus and she's like you know herself like i'm just gonna shake um, it goes to her, which is, uh, you know, her little Christine Baranski, Anna Wintour haircut um, in all black with her red lipstick and like just with her band. And so that's like the real Taylor. And then when it goes to the little I'm just going to shake, it's her as a cheerleader lip syncing it. It's like not like at no point does it cut to real Taylor. It's like this is the false taylor swift persona of the cheerleader her pretend yes my x-man exactly i'm a cheerleader it, this is what yeah yes this is what my cheerleader character says yes and again her talking about the man's girlfriend exactly <laughs> like- <laughs> exactly yeah i just like i was so nice to see that taylor literally is telling us all the time that, like, this is my fake persona I'm putting on right now. This is Taylor Swift's trademark. Exactly. Not Taylor Swift, actually. Like, she's always presenting us with false version, like, du- dualities, at least, or even more than, du- like, two realities of herself. And, like, urging us to look for the more authentic version. She's like, notice how weird this looks. Yeah. <laughs> Instead, people are just like, that's weird. Exactly. Because they take it at face value. Um, And she's really like, it's like she's assuming that people will see what they want to see. And then the people that are like worth it and like can see past that will see it. And that that's enough for her. Something I noticed revisiting our song too. Of course, she says I should have kissed her or I didn't kiss her and I should have. She says her in the first two choruses, and only in the last one does she suddenly switch it to, man, I didn't kiss him, and I should have. 
Which is so fucking funny because I'm like, okay, you're bait and switch. Like, you'll say her for the majority of the song, but make sure you end the song on a straight note. And, I mean, that is in direct contrast to two albums later when she uses you, 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 her. Mm -hmm. She's like, actually, if I just say her once... I can get away with it, and it can be you every other time. In mine. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Uh-huh. She's so funny, her little combinations of pronouns. I fucking cannot. Um, another thing about this song is the religious guilt aspect. Um, so yes. after she says, I should have kissed her, literally the line after admitting that she wishes she kissed the girl, she says... But when I got home, I prayed to God. (laughs) And I said, please, like, (laughs) I said, amen. Like, which is so sad. Like, going from, I didn't kiss her and I should have. But when I got home, I said, amen, asking God if he could play it again. Like, I'm sorry that. I just went on a date with the girl, but please can I do but it please one can more I do time it once so I can more. kiss her at least. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, thank you for putting it out in those terms for me. Like, thank you. It's not a coincidence that it comes right after. Oh, so you know? good. Yes. And then... Um, I'm literally so happy love... you spelled it out like that. Right? Like, and I think I'm, I'm not someone who's religious or ever experienced that but i think a lot of people exactly thought it was important no exactly that's why i'm so glad you pointed out because like when i that line for me before this was very like good girl taylor like this is good girl taylor and like i did not think any more of it than her signaling that she's a good girl it's more false god taylor oh and thank god Thank God you do that because, like, I just feel like every day I'm unlearning my Taylor haterness, the haterade, if you will. And this is also great evidence for her having religious guilt, too, because it's something Gaylor's kind of like speculate on a lot, especially with like false God and her other like religious symbolism, and obviously growing up in like a conservative family in a conservative area things like that it's like okay clearly there's something there if the minute she wrote a line with she her pronouns and kissing a girl her subconscious or consciously was like now i have to put in a line about praying to counterbalance what i just said madison i am shaking right now i literally cannot believe that you pointed this out like to me, this changes everything. I will never hear this song the same way again. And I already I'm so loved glad. this song. That's why I'm so glad. It's a fun way to listen to it. It, I mean, fun, as fun as religious guilt can get, you know? It can get pretty <laughs> fun. Like, it can get pretty fun. Clearly, False God was created. Exactly. We know it can get pretty fun. Exactly. But yeah, that was the last thing that I wanted to mention about our song. Thank God. Um, Thank God we didn't end the episode when I was being yeah. a little, uh, like, a train conductor. Like a villain. Um. Oh, I wasn't thinking of villain. I was thinking of someone that controls trains. Oh, I was thinking of the yeah, train with conductor the from the Mean Music video. Chips. Chips. Anybody want chips. some chips? Chip Lady is a friend of the Archers. Oh my God, if we fucking got Chip 
lady. We have to find out who Chip's lady was, if she's a gayler. Yeah. Oh my god, what if we set it up? And when her NDA expires. Oh my god. Oh my god. Imagine. <laughs> I'm fanning myself right now, imagining. Yeah. If anyone Chips. knows a friend of a friend who knows Chip Lady, Chips. please contact us. Chips for sale. Uh, in middle school, I uh, played Scheherazade in a, um, a performance of Aladdin. And wow. I opened the show um, by walking across the stage with a pole um, and like pieces of parchment were attached to it um, because I sold stories. And my um, line opening the show was, stories, stories, buy a story from Scheherazade. Um, so in a way, I'm sort of like Chips Lady. You are Chip Lady. Like, when I picture Chips, aka Chips Lady, I call her Chips for short. When I picture her, I picture her going, Chips, Chips, buy a Chips from the Chips Lady. But she's not like those other vendors where they're like, Chips, come get your Chips. Like, she's not like projecting her voice. It's very much that volume. Yeah. Chips. Chips. If you don't know what we're talking about also, please listen to our Taymojis episode, episode 11, for context. Chips. Also, that episode is not getting enough love. Like, that is one of my favorite episodes we've ever recorded. And it's just not getting the love that I need it to. If you haven't listened, I really do recommend. Even if you don't know what Taymojis are. At 11. It's one of my lucky numbers. It's my life path number. So I'm good with that. It, well, it's the month we were both born in. <gasps> oh, my God. Of course. Yeah. It's our it's our birth month. So 11 is a very no special. wonder. Exactly. Yeah. We started on 11-21. And our 11th episode ended up being the episode where we met. Wow. That's crazy. It is crazy. Especially <laughs> because one and one. That's us meeting. Have you enjoyed watching me put lip lip gloss on? I actually have. It it's so refreshing. Like it makes me feel like I just put lip gloss on. Like I'm like mm-hmm. touch up. You know um in school when people or when teachers would be like this is not beauty class. This is not the beauty parlor. That's why I like it cuz I'm like yeah, put on your lip gloss. Yeah, this is the beauty parlor. Anytime. Queen Latifah. It's very healing for my inner teen. Yeah, Queen Latifah of um, Beauty Shop, the movie Beauty Shop. Okay, Beauty Shop is a roller coaster. Have you seen it? I don't think I've ever seen it. It is. A, okay, the the Archer's Wreck of the Day is Beauty Shop starring Queen Latifah. Um, it is a roller coaster. You think you know what you're going in for. Um, but I promise you, you don't. And I would love to hear your thoughts on it. it it's good. It's good. It's, I mean, I love Queen Latifah. So. Exactly. Lesbian icon Queen Latifah. Um, something I was actually going to bring up earlier when we were talking about I Bet You Think About Me. Taylor puts the straws in her mouth at the table. Um, it mimics... A famous scene from Fresh Prince where Queen Latifah puts straws um, to act like a walrus. And I was like, oh my God, Queen Latifah, a famous lesbian, Taylor's referencing a Queen yeah. Latifah thing. Oh my God, thank you, Katie. That's amazing. 
I wouldn't be surprised. Right. That's what I thought. If that's what she was referencing. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Because that was really random. So. It, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, I was like, oh, she's she's shouting at a lesbian. Fab. And um, another, like, famous closeted, like, that keeps doing, like, soft launch after soft launch after soft launch. Like, yeah. very much, yeah. like, you know, shouting out her partner and uh, having a child and, like, mm-hmm. all this stuff. But, like, never saying I'm gay, obviously. I love a soft launch. Mm-hmm. Chef's kiss. So, yeah, referencing something that she did was, was really great. But, yeah, and it connects to why you should watch wow. Beauty Shop. I think that this has been a wonderful episode. It's been so nice to get back into lyric analysis. Um, We fell down the rabbit hole for a little bit. We had a little, a few random episodes, still very, very relevant to the archers and still very proud of them. Yes, I'm really... I'm especially proud when we get back to... This solid song analysis. When we get back to... The meat. The meat, yeah. The skin um, and the skin and the, the bones, aka opposite of the meat. Gay meat, classic Ew. gay meat. I see you've put on your straight <laughs> cowboy mask now. <laughs> wait, actually, Please. wait. Oh my god, Madison, when you were describing like what straight people think about like what straight girls think about boys you put on your straight mask Mm. and just now you put on your gay person mask rapidly and you came out with gay meat that was me putting on my gay man exactly that was my it was amazing i'm like i feel like i literally have like a third eye like a second sight for you frantically changing masks right now yeah yeah because I contain multitudes and I really I am a gay man but I also am a straight girl in a way and I'm also neither of those things. That's so true. So yeah yeah I would say okay if you had to do a percentage uh, it's weird because I I know that we're a lot more than these things but like let's say equaling a hundred percent is a bottle of gay man and straight girl and you have to figure out what percentage you are what percentage your bottle is gay man and what percentage is straight girl i can't of course because you're my little no label i'm a homogenous mix of jungle juice of like just jungle juice like the leftovers of every type of liquid drink That got dumped into a bottle. And there's no um, percentages or you don't know what the ratios are of any of them. Because it's just kind of like what got like... Like the drip cup of a out-of-service Coca-Cola remix machine. Exactly. Exactly. It's like it's been leaking for weeks. And it's just kind of leaking all all the kinds. And no one's really paying attention to how much of which flavor no is leaking. One. But it's no. it's just a liquid. It's a muddy liquid of drink. That's our <laughs> Madison. And on that note. <laughs> yeah, on that note. If that's you at a Coca-Cola remix machine, I am 100% peach Sprite. Oh my god. But you're like... You're your own, like, slushy machine of peach Sprite slushy. Like, it's, like, its own. Really? Like. I'm an icy? Yeah. You see me as yeah. an icy? 
Yeah, I see you more as like favorite. <gasps> really? They're my favorite. I didn't even know that. I see you as I'm an like icy. obsessed with icies. You're definitely more oh of an icy God. than a, than a, anything from the Coca Cola Remix Machine, which like really. At the end of the day, I'm just a polar bear in shades. Despite all my rage, I'm still just a polar bear in shades. That really is you. Despite all my rage, I'm still just a polar bear in shades. Jesus Christ. This what a day. What a day. So insane. <laughs> I'm so sorry, listeners. Um, yeah, we need a break, which is why next episode will be our pronoun episode and our final one of season one. And I'm going to sound like such an influencer when I say this, but we have really big things behind the scenes that are happening that are coming soon. (laughs) Yeah, that is actually very, very true. We're really excited about a lot of things happening. You know, if a big Taylor thing happens. Yeah, we're going to have to come back. We're going to have to jump back in. Basically, (laughs) this is us holding our episodes for ransom until Taylor out i'm tired of of doing your marketing work taylor pro bono oh my god give me something yes exactly oh i love it that's actually great okay thank you guys so much for listening to us and thank you for all of your great messages as always and your tweets and thank you for subscribing to the patreon it really helps us like keep going with the main feed shows like truly um and please follow us on Twitter so that you can stay connected with us once we take our break after our next episode. And um, let us know. I'll do a Spotify question. What song of Taylor's do you think has the most telling pronoun usage? Like, what is one that intrigues you, the pronouns? Give us some content to talk about in our next episode. Like, what song do you need to hear us mention of the pronoun switches that is a bait and switch? Her best bait and switch, if you will. Yes, her best pronoun bait and switch. I love that. Oh, that's such a good question. Perfect. Thank you, guys. We love you. And until next time, stay, stay, stay gay for Tay.